and welcome to episode number 189 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrus, Brad Allen. We run through every single game on the NFL slate. If you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow Stephen at Stephen Andrus One. If you want to follow me at Matt Brown M Two, please subscribe, rate, review, do all the different things that you can do to uh, go ahead and make sure that this stuff gets delivered to you automatically. We really do appreciate all of the support there. All right, guys, we are here in week number nine of the season, and I am truly wondering if I knew what the hell I was going and doing and what was going on last week uh, in the NFL, Brad. It was things that were just all kinds of crazy things that were very, very interesting that went, went down last week. I mean, Really, really quickly, the big one being the 10.5-point favorites, Bengals losing outright to the Jets. A controversial call at the end of the game. They wouldn't have covered regardless, but uh, maybe they would have been able to come back and, and win that game. But, you know, we saw some some big teams lose. The Bucks lose. We see some other teams struggle along the way. And it just lets you know that this, this NFL thing, pretty wacky. The NFL is pretty wacky. I mean, we should have known there we would do a uh, a big upset because there was all those um, like the stats circulating that no, I think no team bigger than a six point five point dog had had won outright all season. So obviously straight away the Jets do it, and, and you know I, I don't take too much away from the Bengals for that. It was a horrible spot. We spoke a little bit about it after that Ravens win. Obviously Browns this week, so about a, a bigger sandwich spot as you're getting. I don't think that tells us too much about the Bengals going forward. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting here. But as we head into week number nine, let's kick things off here with the Patriots and the Panthers. The Patriots are three and a half point road favorites over the Panthers. A total of 41 super low total here. Of course, the big news, Sam Darnold not likely to play in this game. Looks like we're going to get uh, PJ Walker. And with that, that's why we're looking at a total of 41 he has played limited amount of snaps so far this season brad and he has looked absolutely atrocious there is a reason why he was in the xfl and um i don't blame this total for creeping down towards the 40 it wouldn't surprise me if it continues to fall when it's all said and done uh one of the things we do know the panthers are at least still playing some decent defense they are certainly not that defense that we saw early on in the season that was was ranked number one kind of across the board and all of that. But what we are getting is at least a defense that is, is keeping this, that is keeping this Carolina team kind of in these games and keeping them competitive. But the question is, is can PJ Walker do enough to keep this thing within three and a half points? Well, he, he was an XFL superstar, wasn't he? <laughs> he, was. he was the Aaron Rodgers of the XFL. So I, I feel like he does have some upside, especially maybe in a game plan tailored to him and, uh, and his mobility. Um, you know, we saw last week, like if there's not much tape on these backup quarterbacks, um, you know, they can do well. Like preparation is, is obviously very important. And if you're coming in sight unknown and, and how he's going to fit in this this scheme and, and this team, then I think they can have some success. Um, as you said, the, the defense, I, I think, I think it probably is a top five unit. Um, you know, they obviously Stefan Gilmore came in last week. They, they stuck him on Kyle Pitts on a lot of key snaps and he, and he took him out of the game, got the game ceiling interception. Um, and they've now got four cornerbacks in the top 50 in PFF grade. Um, they've also 
got that, that good pass rushing defensive line. Um, they've got Shaq Thompson back. So I, I think it's a very, very good defense. They've got coverage and pass rush. Um, now you would assume New England is going to run the ball against them. That's what they did last week against the Chargers. I think they ran it 36 times or so. Um, and that, that's the weakness of this Panthers team again. So I, I would definitely lean towards the um, the Panthers getting three and a half. You, know, you might get a four at home here um, because I, I think they're probably bringing the better defense to the table and perhaps some some interesting wrinkles on offense. Yeah, I when this thing was at four, I actually had a pretty strong lean to the Panthers and was trying to wonder if I was going to talk myself into putting this bet in my account and uh, sat around and, and didn't get to it. But I, I'm with you. It's like, you know, as bad as the offense has been and as bad as the offense is even likely to be with PJ Walker, at least he knows he's starting from the get go this week. He will have a week of preparation as the starter. It's not like getting thrown into a game and all of that. And then also this defense has been pretty damn good at keeping this team, you know, really close in these games, a low total where you're catching four at home seems to be the play for me, not available to me right now, but if I see a four, it wouldn't shock me if that ended up in my account at some point before the end of the week. Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Buffalo Bills, gigantic, over two touchdown favors here. 14 and a half, a total of 48 and a half. What we've seen here, Brad, with this Bills team is they have been good. There's no doubt about that. And I'm not taking anything away from the Buffalo Bills. In my power rankings, I have them number two overall in the NFL, if that says anything. What I will say is this offense has not always looked like a well-oiled machine. And they certainly have had these clunky moments and stretches of games where they don't look very competent. I don't think it will matter here in this game against Jacksonville, who is, if we're talking power rankings, one of the bottom three teams in all of the NFL. But they do have to cover more than two touchdowns in this thing. What are your initial thoughts on, you know, a 14 and a half point spread here for the Bills against the Jags? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think I still, I still I think the Bills are overrated, right? You look at something like um, their DVOA on short passes. Uh, last year they were one of the very best in the league this year they're down around 16th um, and I think it's fair to say we've seen Josh Allen's accuracy step back a bit right you know we thought it may do because he took such a huge leap um, to one of the best in the NFL and now he's kind of back in the middle of, of where he was two years ago and where he was last year so I, I'm not sure this is an elite offense um, and then defensively again I, I still think they're overrated just because of who's they faced now this week well, obviously they're facing more garbage um, so yeah it's, it's, it's tough to know what to do. I would say, I would say again, if you're going to get any F out of the Jags, this is probably the week. All right. This, this, this look ahead line, I think was 11 and a half. And we, we've gone through 14, obviously a, a bit of a key number just because of how bad they looked last week. Is that a surprise given they got their first win? They've got Urban Meyer in charge. They went off on the bye. They probably all got drunk, had Halloween parties, which they didn't pay for. Um, so I, I think we probably get a good effort if there's still any buying at Jacksonville. Um, and I would say 14 and a half. I think you could only back the Jags personally at, at that number. Yeah. It seems to me like a situation where you, you only have one way to play. And I think it would be the Jags at 14 and a half. That said, I ain't running to the window, Brad, to go ahead and lay and go ahead and take yeah. 14 and a half points with the Jags from what I've seen so far with this. I mean, listen, it is not to sports talk radio this, but they need to fire everybody and start over. If you think that Trevor Lawrence is actually the guy and you think that he's the future of this franchise, like 
he is getting ruined right now. They are not using him to his abilities. They are calling horrible plays. Everything has gone wrong for for this team. So they, they've got to do something. I We have seen some of these better teams really beat up on the lowly teams so far this year, though. I mean, we've seen a 19, we've seen a 20 point spread get covered in the NFL so far this year. And so that leaves me a little bit worried as to how this might go. So I am, uh, I like you, I think I lean towards the Jags at getting more than two touchdowns, but at the same time, I don't have the guts to put it in my account. I'll be fully, I'll be fully transparent with that one. Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints are six-point home favorites over the Falcons. A 42 is the total in that one as we sit right now. Uh, the Falcons, Calvin Ridley stepping away for mental health uh, issues, wants to get right in uh, feeling like he's not really waking up every day and and feeling good about himself. And listen, all power to him. Hopefully he is able to get that done. But what this definitely does is make the, a bad Falcons team much, much worse. If we're just talking about strictly from a gambling standpoint here, um, Kyle Pitts is now your number one receiver stepping in as a rookie and as a, you know, pseudo tight end, basically a wide receiver at this point. Uh, on the Saints side of things, they lose Jameis Winston for the season. Michael Thomas announces that he's not going to make it back this season either. And so you have some flux going on there with the Saints as well they're going to run with Trevor Simeon for the rest of the season not making a move at the trade deadline at all Brad listen Jameis Winston was not doing anything amazing this year but he also wasn't doing anything horrible to lose them games my question to you is do you think Trevor Simeon can basically step in and kind of just be Jameis Winston. Like you don't have to be an, a superstar with the way this defense is playing. And his defense is, is really, really good. You don't have to be an all-star, but you just don't have to be a dud. Can you just be somewhere in the middle? Yeah. And this I, team I, can probably win a decent amount of games still through the rest of the year. Yeah, I think um I think they the Saints probably showed us they believe that Simeon or or uh, Taysom Hill can fill that role, right? They they've got an elite offensive line and they've got that elite defense that you mentioned. And yeah, they weren't they were running the ball at a very high rate and they don't really ask the quarterback to do too much at the minute. Um as for this game specifically, um I would say this is this is another horrible spot. You know, a bit a bit like the Bengals last week. This is this is the Saints coming off a, a home home dog win against their you know their their biggest rivals, Super Bowl champion. They got the outright win, and now you've got the sort of lowly Falcons coming to town with with one weapon. So <laughs> I would say that. As, as we saw with the Jets and the Bengals, sometimes you can just throw the matchups out the window, right? There's no one on the Jets that can cover those those receivers. But if you're just really flat, sometimes it doesn't matter. Now, I would also say the matchup says that the Falcons shouldn't score any points at all, right? I don't think they can mm-hmm. block the Saints defensive line. They've got one person who can get open, which is Pitts. Um, and if you've got a good cover corner last week, you know, they, the, the Panthers put Gilmore on Pitts a lot. They could just do that with Lattimore and probably take him out of the game. And then like, I, I don't really know. I don't really know how the, the Falcons are moving the ball. Um, and then, as I say, this this Saints offensive line should just maul this Falcons defensive line. They should be able to run the ball for five yards a clip, um, screens, and, and play action off that. So, in theory, this should be a, probably a, a Saints and under game to me. Um, but you've you've got to be careful with this spot. Um, so yeah, it's it, it's it's another tricky one. Yeah, as we're as we're sitting here, a total of of 42 but even with the total of 42 
I understand that's low by today's standards in the NFL. I actually got on this one a little earlier when it was a little bit higher and took the under on this thing. Uh, I'm with you. Like it's what we've also seen from Matt Ryan. And he mentioned like Matt Ryan's kind of come back down to earth as well. Last year, everybody was writing him off for dead. But if you looked at his advanced metrics, he was actually pretty good. He was actually had played a pretty decent season. He has certainly shown every bit of his age. He is certainly playing uh, every bit of the old guy quarterback back there right now. And I think the Saints defense can cause some pretty big problems for this Falcons team as well. And then with Trevor Simeon, I don't think he's going to be bad per se, but I certainly don't think he's going to be good either. And you do wonder about just what this Saints offense brings outside of the one dimension, which is Alvin Kamara, right? I mean, this is a, this is a, as one dimensional of an offense and one dimensional as a team as we will, we see in a really, really long time. I mean, there's just no weapons at the wide receiver position at all. And so with that, I take a look at this and yeah, it's a bad, it's a fairly bad saints offense, but the defense is really, really good. And they're getting a bad Falcons offense and a bad Falcons defense. And so that certainly has me leaning towards the saints for sure. But I am on the under in this thing. I think even at 42, I feel comfortable with it. I got it 43, even at 42, I do feel comfortable with it. But um, if it got a little bit lower than that, I don't think I would go in that direction, but I do feel like the, the saints defense is going to pretty much neutralize anything that this Falcons team can do. Let's talk the Las Vegas Raiders and the New York Giants. The Raiders are two and a half to three point road favorites over the New York Giants. Giants dealing with all kinds of injuries at their wide receiver core and, uh, you know, elsewhere throughout the team. I mean, it is they're the walking dead essentially at this point. That being said, it still took a last minute, uh, last second field goal by the Chiefs to even beat this Giants team. They lost Sterling Shepard in the second quarter of that game. They lost Kadarius Toney in the fourth quarter of that game. They played that game without Kenny Galladay and Saquon Barkley, just to let you know what was going on there. And they still were able to get pretty close to the Chiefs in that one. On the Raiders side of things, we know about the John Gruden stuff, and then tragedy hit that team this week again as one of their players driving uh, Henry Ruggs, driving extremely recklessly, 156 miles an hour, a couple of seconds before impact uh, ran into the back of a young lady at 127 miles an hour. The car catches on fire and she ends up uh, dying in that crash. Ruggs has been released on that team. But Brad, I, I talked to, to Bryant McFadden last night on a show that I host for VEASAN and asked him how this is different from the Gruden situation. He said, yeah, the Gruden situation, half that locker room might've hated Gruden as it was anyway. So it's not really that big a deal. You get rid of a coach that, and you know, it's kind of a rally situation, pump up situation. This is now one of your brothers, one of your teammates, and he did something horrible. And now he's out of a job. And he said, there's just all kinds of stuff that these guys are having to deal with here on top of getting on a plane, flying across the country, playing in the early time slot on the East coast and stuff. And he was saying, you know, it it is as weird as it is. He's like, it would be a giants or pass for me because of everything that this Raiders team is going through. Do you buy into that? Uh, yeah, I think so. And let's, let's remember the, so the 20 to the first game after Gruden went or when it was all sort of circling in the first place, they lost 20 to nine at home against the bears. So they're, they're by far their worst performance of the season. So yeah, as, as you say, I, don't, I can't see how their head is going to be in this football game, right? Like Derek Carr was talking this week, you know, about just, he was, he was in tears with his, with his wife and he kept going like, we've got a job to do, but I, I cannot see how they're, 
doing how they're preparing for this game in a normal manner, right? As, as you said, one of their one of their brothers' friends is is you know in prison, probably lost his NFL career. So I can't see how they're focused at all. Um, like, and, and that, that's just got to be the biggest factor in the game. Like, you, you know, you could talk about the Raiders' defensive line; they should have success against this Giants' offensive line. And there's there's a lack of weapons for the Giants. Like, I, I I'd bet the the Raiders minus three on Monday morning before this happened. Um, and I, you know, I've got out of some of that bet. But it's yeah. I, I don't think you can look past but what the emotional, mental state of that team is, and it's got to be awful, right? Yeah, I, I think that it is an, an actual thing here. Um, you know, whenever we're trying to to do this, and listen, Stephen, you know, we just want to give the disclaimer: this is a betting podcast. This is a betting video that we're doing. We have to look at this through a betting lens. We understand that someone lost their life and all this, and this is absolutely tragic. And um, you know, th- that said, we always say that about the COVID stuff as well. Like, you know, listen, and we'll talk obviously a big one coming down the pike a little bit later here, but it's, we always have to look at this through a betting lens. We understand that there's far more to all of this stuff than just the betting side of things, but you're watching, you're listening because you want to hear about our betting takes on all this stuff. So that's why if you just don't think that we're cold hearted bastards or anything when it comes to, to any of this stuff. So um, on the injury front, you know, the Giants put put Saquon Barkley on the COVID list. We've seen how this has gone sometimes, Stephen, right? Like one guy gets put on the COVID list and sometimes other guys start trickling on the COVID list. So there's another thing that you have to got to keep in your back of your mind from the Giants side of things is, could another player end up popping up on the COVID list? Who has Saquon Barkley been around? What's going on there? Kenny Galladay didn't practice on Wednesday. Kadarius Tony was limited on Wednesday. We know that uh, we know that Sterling Shepard's going to miss uh, several weeks for this team. So, as much as maybe the Raiders seem like the right side, there is a ton of injuries. I mean, uh, the the Giants feel like the right side. The Giants are dealing with a ton ton of injuries here. And Thursday morning, the Giants beat writers and media were alerted that all of their media availabilities would remain virtual for the rest of the week. So it seems like they're going into containment protocols here for COVID. So don't Mm -hmm. be surprised if a couple other players pop up as being out for this game. So um, full disclosure, I took the Giants as a teaser leg early in the week at plus nine. I thought it fit nicely with the West, the East. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a low total here at 46. 46 and a half. This is even before all the Henry Rugg stuff. So, but now as we sit here and now you have that unknown with the Giants as well, there's just a lot of question marks and, and things that are just really difficult to handicap in this game. So, um, the only thing I would consider is a Giants teaser leg, but now I'd be hesitant with that considering the COVID situation as well. Yeah. I think this one, if you're betting this one, guys, no matter when you're watching this video, this is a, this is a wait as long as you feel comfortable to make a bet on this game because there are just so many other factors that are going into this thing. So, uh, yeah, there's we have seen this time and time again. One guy tests positive for COVID day later, another guy day later, another guy. It's just, you know, all and it, there's exposures and all the different stuff. So just be sure that you're monitoring all that information. 
Minnesota Vikings at the Baltimore Ravens. Brad has a bet in on this one. Steven has a bet in on this one. And they are oppo this week on this game. So I'm loving this. We have a six, six and a half point spread right now in favor of the Baltimore Ravens. A total of 50. Steven, I'll start with you. You like the Ravens coming out of a bye here. Yeah, I think it's a great spot for them. I think this is a huge coaching mismatch with Harbaugh staff against Mike Zimmers. So I, I love that they're getting extra rest and extra prep time. And I think it's a brutal spot for Minnesota coming off that game where they lost at home in prime time. On top of that, they had what I believe is a significant major injury to their defense and their front seven. Daniel Hunter is on IR now to me, their most important pass rusher and this team 22nd in pass rush win rate, 32nd in run stop win rate on the season. And now they lose Daniel Hunter juxtapose that with Baltimore's offense. You're looking at an offensive line that's top 10 in both uh, blocking win rates, whether it's run or pass and just an explosive offense, right? This is a top five offense in PFF grade, top five in run block win rate, yards per play, early down success, early down EPA, explosive plays. I love that combination. So when you have that type of offense, laying five and a half isn't a big deal to me, even though it's, it's more than the typical three or three and a half. I like to bet for a favorite but um you know the the Ravens offense is explosive and when the Vikings have the ball hey this is a debate Brad so I'm going to use your own words against you all right when Kirk Cousins gets pressured he folds like a house of cards and this Vikings offense 29th in pressure allowed against the Ravens defense that is seventh in pressure rate so I have no problem laying the points here on the injury front, uh, some decent news. D- don't know if it's going to manifest for this game or not, but uh, Derek Wolf, defensive lineman, been out since August for the Ravens, uh, did get active, uh, designated to return from injured reserve. So his window is now open. They could activate him as well any point over the next 21 days to bring in even some more reinforcements on the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens. Sammy Watkins still not practicing for them, but Frankly, at this point, Sammy Watkins, just an afterthought for this offense. He wasn't doing anything anyway. So I don't, I, I don't really know why we continue, especially now that Rashad Bateman is back, why we continue to give updates on what's going on with Sammy Watkins. But we will continue to do that until uh, we need to. Brad, you are on the other side here. You have taken six points with the Minnesota Vikings with Mike Zimmer as their coach. What say you defend yourself here, Brad? <laughs> well, I, th- I think we know a little very talented team, which is badly coached, but the bad coaching comes in the most when they're favourite and they're playing a bad team. Zimmer seems to think it needs to come down to the last five minutes of the game and it's run, run, pass. And it's, but when they, if they're forced to play catch up, um, then they're forced to take the shackles off. They're forced to throw downfield to Jefferson. They're forced to throw on early downs. Um, And it's a different team. Like Cousins is, he's one of the top graded quarterbacks in the entire league this year, but they they just don't really give him that much opportunity. Um, Obviously he was bad last week against the Cowboys. He missed Jefferson downfield several times, but we do know what he is. We know long-term he's probably like a, 10th, you know, 10th, 9th best quarterback in the NFL, maybe 12th, you know, around that range. He's good enough um, to, to, hit, to hit Jefferson and Thielen, basically. Um, so I just think that they're probably a little bit um, underrated at the minute just because of that Cowboys game, right? Everyone's just watched them 
piss away a game to a to a backup quarterback, which they they should have won. Um, now. I am worried about the um, the defense here. Like they've got very good stats. The defense, well, they're fourth in defensive DVOA, um, despite kind of those bad pass rush metrics that uh, Stephen mentioned. And obviously, they, they are losing the best pass rusher here. They're going to be without Patrick Peterson as well, likely on the, on the outside. So, to me, it, it came down to the plus six or the over fifty, um, and I, I just ended up with the the plus six because. I th- yeah, I, th- I think the Vikings also, they're, they're quite a similar team to the Bengals. They, they've got a smart quarterback and good weapons. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think they're, they'll be, they're, w- they're well set up to take advantage of this this Ravens defense. Um, and I'm hopeful they'll be forced into throwing it. And they'll if they put up 27 points or so, you've, you've got to fancy them to cover plus six. Yeah, I, uh, at five and a half, I kind of like, look, Stephen, I like your number. And, you know, there's a six and a half even popping right now on the Viking side of things. And I don't think that that's a bad bet either. Not really waffling here. But I guess uh, if you made me choose a side right now, I would probably, I'd probably lay the six with the Ravens at home uh, coming out of a bye here. Mike Zimmer has really, at this point, just lost all confidence with me. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't, I, I can't back this guy with the way that he is his 1950s mentality of how you go about playing football and and you know it, it just for me is very very tough to back a team like this and again one thing I do look is is there going to be pressure on Kirk Cousins and if so how do I feel like he's going to be able to do, you know we know they blit the Ravens blitz at the fourth high, highest, highest rate in the NFL they get the seventh highest pressure rate on the quarterback in the NFL they're winning uh, the pass rush 10th uh, overall in the NFL as well and this uh, Minnesota offensive line, 29th in the league in pressure allowed so far this season. So for me, uh, Kirk under pressure here against Harbaugh coming out of a bye. I think they figured out a way probably over that bye as well to get Rashad Bateman a little bit more involved in this offense and, and really work him in as well. So I do like the Ravens side of this thing. So Brad, you lose basically. <laughs> I do have doing, since we're since we're grading. This. I do have a long shot futures here that I added to my account this week as well. With Derrick Henry being out for the season, I dabbled a little on Dalvin Cook thirty three to one to finish the season with the most rushing yards. I think this race is wide open at this point. This is a player that had fifteen hundred and fifty rushing yards in just fourteen games a year ago. And here's the key: he's two hundred behind the new leader Jonathan Taylor, but Taylor has had his buy yet. 140 behind Nick Chubb also has not had his buy yet. So we know Dalvin Cook will get fed for the rest of the season. And I think that's a margin that he can close in on as we get going here, as long as he stays healthy at 33 to one. I thought it was worth a few bucks. Cleveland Browns at Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are two and a half point home favorites, a total of 46 and a half or 47. The Browns are coming off of a loss to the Steelers outright here in which Baker Mayfield decided to go ahead and play through having a broken shoulder. I've never been to one minute of medical school in my whole life, and I can only assume that that's not a good thing to play football through a broken shoulder. But uh, I digress. The Bengals coming off of an outright loss to the Jets. Uh, we talked about this at the top of the show, but hey, listen, we can't prove that they'd have won the game. They would never have covered the 10 and a half. That was not going to happen. I can't prove to you that they were going to win the game. I can say if they'd have gotten the ball back with three timeouts, I'm pretty confident they'd have at least gotten it to overtime and then, you know, gone on from there. That said, unfortunate call going against the defense there for the Bengals and never even got a chance to get the ball back. So um, 
Two and a half point home favorites here, guys. I am on the Bengals already in this one. I went ahead and took this at under the field goal. I think this is a perfect opportunity to kind of buy into this team out of a game in which is just weird and wonky. Listen, we've seen this time and time again. These quarterbacks that we have no idea where they came from. We have no tape on these guys. We don't know what they're all about. They come in and that first game in the NFL they find a little bit of success. They come crashing back down to earth very quickly the very next week because these defensive coordinators and these defensive teams are geniuses when it comes to all this, and they just need a little bit of tape, a little bit of time to look at your tendencies and what you do want, what you do poorly, and they will exploit what you do poorly. But uh, that wasn't the, you know, they didn't have that luxury last week with the Bengals. And honestly, the offense played great. If you told me that they scored 31 points, I'd have said, oh, well, they easily won the game. It was just the defense. Defense that had some uh, some troubles, kind of containing the the Mike White led Jets here. Uh, Stephen, I'll start with you. Looking here, uh, total of 46 and a half, 47, two and a half point favorites are the Bengals. You and I often clash when there is a line that is so severely different from the preseason line, and you are. Just the way your style of betting is, you care a heck of a lot more about recent results and all that. Uh, and I, I still try to handicap it a little bit. This line is seven points different from what it was in the preseason when the Browns were minus four and a half. And listen, I know we are halfway through the season and that matters more. If the Browns are healthy, though, and I don't think Baker Mayfield's going to be healthy. I think he's just terrified every time he gets a pass rush because of the pain he's going to get when he gets knocked down with a broken shoulder on his non-throwing arm. But if the rest of this Browns roster can get healthy, I think they have a significant talent advantage here. The problem is I'm not sure how healthy they're going to be. So what I was comfortable with betting in this game is Cleveland as a teaser leg. And I can get plus eight and a half on the Browns as a teaser with a total of only 46 and a half in this game. I think this game sets up as a division matchup very nicely for them to be able to at least keep this close, even if they are banged up. Um, but it, I agree with you that the Bengals have some advantages here in terms of both health and massive quarterback advantage at this point in my mind. So uh, I, I like the teaser leg. I think it sets up as your nice prototypical best practices teaser leg here on the Browns plus eight and a half. Yeah, I, I, I'm on Cincinnati here. I'm going to give him a pass for for last week. Uh, Joe Burrow still played a great game. The offense still still produced. It was just the defense that was a, unable to stop the Jets offense. And I know that's cr- this is going to sound crazy to say, but I don't know for sure that the Jets offense isn't better than the Browns offense uh, right now with the way that everything is constructed. <laughs> Man, I was just going to I was just going to say that Baker Mayfield ain't thrown for 400 yards anytime yeah. soon, right? Like Mike yeah, White just yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I can't say for sure that they're that they're not, you know, that the Jets offense isn't better than the Browns offense is right now. And this defense is still continues to be beat up. And then uh, the one thing I would also look here at an angle, the props aren't posted quite yet as we're recording this, but whatever the number is on Donovan Peoples Jones, I would take a look at. And if it seems like it's too low, it probably is um, because he is now going to step in and be the unquestioned kind of outside guy there for this team. And uh, maybe the algorithms and the projection systems aren't going to give him the proper amount of boost here in this and give him the proper amount of snap count and stuff like that. So again, I don't know what the number is going to be. It's not posted right now, but certainly something that I would keep an eye on as I was looking at this game. 
Denver Broncos at the Dallas Cowboys, uh, nine, nine and a half. There's a 10 even available out there. Uh, 49 and a half is your total in this one. Um, guys, not a lot to talk about here because we don't know for sure that Dak Prescott's going to play. The line indicates that he is going to play, Brad. But again, we thought he might get back out there last week, and then that was not ended up not being the case. And with all of this uncertainty, certainly a game that, you know, let's say you're still in a survivor pool. I wouldn't be willing to pull the trigger on if you're, and and I'm certainly not going to bet this early right now because the line's not going to get that much worse. In, in favor of the Cowboys when he if he gets officially ruled in and it certainly is going to move the other way if he's ruled out. So for me, it's just kind of a I don't really have a ton of interest in this game until I know if one of the most valuable position uh, quarterbacks in the league at his position is going to play or not. Yeah, agreed. I would say just quickly, it looks to me there's a there's mismatches on both lines of scrimmage in favor of the Cowboys. Um, so Denver, it comes into this game pass rush win rate and that's with Von Miller in there right mm-hmm. so now now he's gone there's there's no real Ed Rusher there's no Bradley Chubb still going up against this Cowboys offensive line now let and Smith um, but again they're that that line is, is as equipped as any in the league to to just plug in another another tackle there they've got Ty and Shecky lying about um, so I think they'll dominate that that line of scrimmage and then on the other side, the the Broncos look like they could be missing their left tackle, Garrett Bowles, um, and you know Cowboys come in with with a good pass rush, ninth in the NFL in in win rate there. So um, yeah, I think they they should dominate this game, uh, presuming Dak plays. Yeah, Stephen, that's kind of my thoughts here. It's like it, it's like everything points towards the Cowboys if Dak plays, but as we sit right now, there's there's just no guarantee on that, and I think that it's probably not the best practice to to bet with something like this when uh. You know, again, he could get out there and on practice on Friday, tweak that calf again. And then now you're sitting there with a a horrible number in your account when there really wasn't any need to really do that. I mean, this is this is America's team in terms of sports betting, too, right? The Cowboys are seven and zero against the spread this year. And I think the market is finally starting to catch up, right? Because this is a crazy big number. Ten and a half is a lot of points in an NFL game. And we've typically seen it with teams like the Jaguars or the Jets against the Colts. And now they're putting the Broncos in this category, which to me says more about just the respect that they have for the Cowboys. So I can't bet Dallas at this point as such a heavy favorite, but obviously it wouldn't shock me if in the range of outcomes, we see a two touchdown win here. Mm -hmm. So on the, to me, it would be take the points or nothing, but Here's the other thing I'll just say about Dak Prescott and having, you know, some experience of being in an NFL locker room and and seeing some injuries and this particular injury with Dak Prescott, the calf injury, you know, you heard Chris Collinsworth on Sunday night football say he went through his pregame warmup and he looked fantastic. And in most any other player's situation, he would have been playing in that game. So the question is, why didn't he play with these calf injuries in particular? Teams are extremely cautious with them because even if you are still feeling mostly okay, it has a higher risk of more severe injury than usual. These calf injuries, if you're not careful, can lead to a tear of the Achilles. And that's what teams fear. So I think that's why they held him out despite him looking good in practice, looking good in pregame warmups. So um, just monitor it closely if you are somebody who wants to bet on the Cowboys and just make damn 
damn well sure that he is actually playing because I don't think this is a situation where he needs to look good in practice or pregame. I think this is like uh, an MRI type situation to make sure that calf is fully healed because they're not going to take any risks with the potential of a of an aggravated Achilles here on top of it if they're not careful. Houston Texans at the Miami Dolphins, another game in which we don't know the quarterback situation that really could probably change the way that we look at this one top to bottom. Right now, the Miami Dolphins are six and a half point home favorites, a 46, 46 and a half point total. Terod Taylor has not been uh, announced that he is going to start for this Texans team. And so if it's Davis Mills, I completely understand and agree with this line. If it's Tyrod Taylor, then maybe I start to look at least a little bit differently at this game. I mean, I understand it's still a talentless team pretty much top to bottom, but they didn't trade Brandon Cooks for whatever reason. Uh, They probably should have, but they didn't trade Brandon Cooks. They kept on. They held on to him. And if Tyrod Taylor, who has we have seen can be a very competent quarterback in this NFL, goes up against kind of this lowly Dolphins team right now. I don't know if six and a half isn't too much, but again, I don't know if we're going to get that call from this team until way later, uh, maybe even right before the game, probably in their best interest to not announce this thing until right before the game. And for being honest, I mean, if they're actually trying to win this game, it's probably best to kind of keep this close to the best. And so um, Brad, six and a half right now, 46 and a half is the total. Um, so I would say that if the backup plays, if we don't get Tyrod, um, if Davis Mills goes, I quite like the Dolphins here. So I think they can definitely shut down Davis Mills um, if, if he does play. Um, so I, I would I would take the minus six and a half if it's Mills. If if Tyrod goes, it, maybe it's an overlook um, because, as you say, they've still got... Mm. You know, they, they've still got um, Brandon Cooks as, as a weapon out there and Tyrod was making plays with his arm putting up points against good defenses early this year. So, Stephen, uh, the trade deadline comes and goes. Uh, it's funny these two teams are playing this week because Deshaun Watson rumored to, you know, go to the Dolphins doesn't end up happening. Tua has to deal with the fact that obviously they don't want him there. <laughs> they have tried very hard. The owner got on the phone with Deshaun Watson and talked to him and all of that. So I don't think I think Tua is a pretty mentally strong dude. I don't think that it's going to affect him all that much, but it can't feel great to know that you're walking out there to play for a team that doesn't want you uh, really anymore. And so uh, there is at least that angle that goes into this as well. Look, I think there's a survivor angle that goes into this. I know a lot of uh, teams out there that are still available. Uh, You know, you could play the Colts this week. If you got it in on Thursday night, there's the Steelers. You could play the Dolphins are another option for survivor as well. Uh, I actually put the Dolphins in a teaser this week when I thought that they were probably just not going to play Terod Taylor because I thought that it doesn't really make any sense to go out and try to win games for this Texans team, to be perfectly honest. But it seems like they are really and truly questioning whether he's going to play or not. So not in love with the fact that I do have them down to uh, down to a point in this thing. So Terod Taylor was activated last week on the 27th, Wednesday, the 27th, they have a 21 day window to activate him or he's out for the year. So they don't have to activate him this week. So, but they do have to, I believe per the NFL rules have to 
add him back onto the active roster by sometime on Saturday if he is going to play this week. So that's kind of your window to keep an eye out on whether or not he's going to play. But I agree with you. I mean, this team's clearly tanking. They're clearly trading off players left and right. There really is no long-term view or strategy here to activate him to play this week. Right. So it wouldn't shock he's me. not your long-term answer at the position anyway. Right? right. So it's like, what, what's, what's the point? Yeah. So it wouldn't shock me in the least if they just max out that 21 day window before they have to activate him and then make a decision. So here's, here's kind of where I'm at with this game. If, if it is Davis mills again, I agree with Brad that I have no problem laying six and a half against this just pathetic football team in the Houston Texans. If it is Tyrod Taylor, I might actually sprinkle some on the money line for the Texans because they, they look like a very reliable offense with him at the helm on a couple of, not just one game, but a couple of weeks this year. And we're looking at plus 240 right now. That'll probably come down a little bit if he's activated. But if you're telling me that at plus 240, the Texans have less than a 30% implied probability to win this game with Terod Taylor against the lowly Dolphins, I disagree with that. And I'd probably take a shot at the money line if he's the quarterback. Los Angeles Chargers at the Philadelphia Eagles in one of the more interesting and curious lines of the week here. Steven is on this game. What we sit right now, this is everywhere from one and a half in favor of the Chargers up to two and a half in favor of the Chargers on the road at the Eagles. Now, look, the Eagles went out and destroyed a bad, a bad football team last week. They were supposed to do that Uh, with that. I don't know if that is, if this is an overreaction by the market or if this is just more of an indictment of what we've seen from this Chargers team that has looked absolutely horrible in the last two outings for them, one of which was coming out of a bye. And so it does make you wonder, maybe these defensives have started to figure something out against Justin Herbert and this, and the way that this offense functions here. A total of 50, 50 and a half here. Steven, you are saying they have not figured out Justin Herbert and you are backing the Chargers. I will admit this. If, if you are scared to death of the Chargers rushing defense after, you know, what the Eagles did to the Lions last week, I understand why you would bet the Eagles here. But after digging into some of these numbers for the Eagles, you know, I'm, I'm pulling a Dennis Green here. They are who they thought we, they were. You know, we, I totally butchered that, but you remember the press conference. This is, this Eagles team has been boosted up in these advanced analytics by fourth quarter garbage time this year. And we have noted this in previous weeks, even last week when I when we noted it and we just said, well, they're, they're still playing the Lions. Well, they're not playing the Lions this week. If you look at the games they played this year, not against the Falcons and not against the Lions, that middle section of the season where they're actually playing real competition, they had trailed by a ton in fourth quarters in a bunch of those games and scored a bunch of touchdowns late against Dallas 14 in the fourth against KC still lost by 12 touchdown against Tampa when they were down 21 for most of the second half scored 14 in the fourth quarter against the Raiders and still lost by 11 so if you dig into these numbers a little bit more from week two to seven, the Eagles offense was 20th in EPA, but 28th if you remove the fourth quarter, 19th in success rate, but 29th if you remove the fourth quarter. And this Eagles defense is just trash 
in every way possible. They're 25th in EPA, dead last in success rate. I think this line to be under a field goal is a huge overreaction to them beating a, a Lions team completely devoid of talent. And I happily laid the two with the Chargers this week. I think it's a great bounce back spot. I took three points with the Eagles this week at home <laughs> against this against this Chargers team. Um, he, here's the thing: I actually do think that there is I, these defenses are playing Justin Herbert a lot different here over the last few weeks, and I'm not saying that he doesn't have the talent and the coaching and everything to overcome that. But what we have seen is some pretty big struggles over the last three games for Justin Herbert, adjusting to the way that the defenses are blitzing fake. Uh, they're using Using what they've been doing to is disguising blitzes and making it look like they're going to come and then they're not and they're backing off and he's making some bad passes into uh, you know dropping linebackers and things and stuff like that. Like there there are some interesting ways that they're starting to try and confuse and attack him and I think it's worked so far. And if you look at this Philadelphia team, I honestly think they can probably run the ball fairly efficiently on this Chargers team and keep this thing pretty close. And I got the full field goal and, you know, I, I felt pretty comfortable taking that here with the way that this Chargers run defense or lack thereof has been performing and how they've shown out so far this season. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to assume that this Philadelphia coaching staff will do and take the the path to least resistance here. But, uh, you know, the oh, assumption man, of that, rational that coaching is a leap of faith, has, my friend, to trust this Eagles say, coaching staff. The, the assumption of rational coaching has lost me a lot of money over the years. So I don't know if that's the greatest thing in the world. Brad, how do you see here the uh, Chargers on the road at the Eagles? Um, well, it's a, it's a fascinating game. Um, so we've, we've kind of moaned all season. Said that the, the Eagles coaching has, has let down their talent, right? They're, they're a talented team, but on defense, they're playing a lot of boring cover two and just doing nothing interesting. And then they were passing the ball way too much on offense. Well, they changed it around a little bit last week. So they ran the ball 68% of the time in neutral situations last week, you know, before the game got even out of hand. <laughs> they basically flipped from 68% running or 68% passing to 68% running last week. And obviously, <laughs> and that should work again this week against this Chargers team um, and also worth mentioning Chargers top two corners um, both could miss this game um, and so you know if they are running run the ball efficiently and then hit some play actions hit some RPOs and see that the Eagles moving the ball effectively no doesn't look like there's going to be Jalen Rager out there for the Eagles this week if you think that he makes a difference uh, didn't practice rolled rolled his uh, ankle late in that game last week and so it doesn't look like he's going to be out there for the Eagles Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. We have nothing to say about this game for sure. Uh, a total of 50, a uh, total of 47 and a half to 48 as we sit right now. It is a seven to seven and a half point home favorite in the Chiefs over the Packers. And of course, the news being that Aaron Rodgers has been lying to everybody for the last eight weeks of the NFL season <laughs> and did not, in fact, go and get vaccinated. And he got the COVID and he is going to have to miss at least 10 days, which probably what we've seen everybody, every unvaccinated player that has gotten COVID has pretty much missed two games. And so we can assume that this is going to be two games that Aaron Rodgers is out for the Green Bay Packers. 
in this one. Um, this made the line uh, flip a ton, you know, made the line move a lot. There were some spots that even had even had the Packers as slight favorites, like a point favorite. Um, but regardless, no matter where you were looking, this thing moved at least five and a half to six points upon the news that Aaron Rodgers is going to be out and that Jordan Love is going to be taken over. Brad, sometimes teams let you know what they think about a player. Uh, we knew the Colts hated Jacob Eason forever because they did everything they could to possibly not play this guy every single way possible. They did not want to play Jacob Eason. Sooner or later, they ended up releasing Jacob Eason earlier this year. The Colts let us know. I think the Packers have also let us know that they don't really think Jordan loves any good and that he can't play because whenever we look here, this is a dude that has had opportunities. Aaron Rodgers talked crap about this team for months in the offseason, said he didn't want to play there. Trade me. Get me out of here. And they had never once said that Jordan Love is our quarterback. They never once indicated that they were going to go with Jordan Love. I think they've tipped their hand. I don't think they think he can play in this league. And so I'm not for sure that I wouldn't lay the money here, but it looks like you are going to back Jordan Love in this game. Yeah, you could also say they, they didn't want to walk away from like probably a, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, right? You know, it's, it's, it's not easy to True. just let him walk out the door. Like the, the Colts did that with Peyton Manning and he went and won a Super Bowl. But did they trade up to get, a, uh, did they trade up in the first round to take the guy that they have, you know, riding away on the bench, you know, but anyway, anyway. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, I don't know what Jordan Love is, to be honest. You know, we've got preseason and, you know, he, he's had a, he had a low A dot in preseason, if that's helpful. I, you know, I never watched him in college, and but people say he wasn't that good in college. So I don't know. I, I just think two things. One, I like the backup quarterback. You don't have tape on someone and there isn't, you know, proper, proper tape on Jordan Love here. And he, he is mobile. Um, he does have a good coaching staff. So, I would be hopeful against this Kansas City team. He he can put up some points, right? You know, we we just saw Danny Dimes with with no no weapons whatsoever. He came in with no weapons, no offensive line, um, and and he still you know he put up enough to cover. Um, they should have they should have this elite offensive line. They should keep Love clean. He's got his weapons back for the first time, except Tonyan. Um, you know, they should have a full wide receiving core. So I'll, I would be hopeful he can score some points. And then on the other side of the ball, like, I think the Chiefs look lost, right? The, the Giants are not a good defense, but they were giving up pressure. He he was forcing the ball downfield when there's two deep safeties and there's no play there. Um, he, he's bailing from good pockets. Like, to me, the, the Chiefs look a little bit broken right now. Um, and I. I just don't think they should be laying seven and a half to a team that's better than them in everywhere except the quarterback, really. Stephen, we take a look here, and uh, you know, as Brad mentioned, I don't know if it's Andy Reid's lost his fastball. I don't know if there's a combination of that and Patrick Mahomes trying to do too much. There is. I was listening to the radio broadcast of the game this past week, and and Kurt Warner was just saying. You know, look, he is 10 times the athlete that I ever was, but I can tell when a guy has bad footwork and he's not doing the fundamentals correctly, 
And Patrick Mahomes is not doing the fundamentals correctly. That's why he's missing all these open throws, throwing behind guys, doing all this stuff, because he's 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 not just setting his feet and throwing the ball when he doesn't have to throw in the move. He doesn't have to make a fancy throw, and he's still trying to do that as it is anyway. And again, I don't think Andy Reid's calling some some very good plays either right now to kind of help this guy ease back into being more confident and being a little bit more successful in this. And so you do see this move to a touchdown on the other side of a touchdown in uh, in most of the spots that are out there. And do you think that that move's appropriate or do you think that this is a little bit of an overreaction? Well, some people with very large bankrolls rejected anything over seven and a half when this opened back up at eight and eight and a half at a couple of spots for what that's worth. So they thought it was too many points for the Chiefs at that point. Um, I think that now we're sitting at seven and a half total of 48. This would typically be a slam dunk teaser situation for the Kansas City Chiefs to get them at minus one and a half. Mm-hmm. And our senior writer, Mo Nawara astutely points out the only thing keeping us from having this be a slam dunk teaser leg is that uncertainty around Jordan Love. I agree with you guys. He's he probably stinks. I mean, in the range of outcomes, that's it's probably what the situation is. But he's also playing a defense that might be worse than he is. So yeah, uh, the, the the honest answer is really nobody knows, right? And as Mo put it, teasers rely on the principle that you're buying valuable points. And we can't know that's actually the case in this game. We just don't know for sure. And for the record, Matt, Packers head coach Matt LaFleur this week, quote, we've got a lot of confidence in him and what a great (laughs) opportunity for him to showcase what he can do. So in the great words of Luther Vandross, Aretha Franklin, the Isley brothers and Stephen Stills, love the one you're with. I mean, yes, it's also, could you imagine if we could give like these coaches truth serum and like, <laughs> like he, and he had to go to the microphone and he's kind of like, yeah, this is going to be really rough. Uh, that's why we went and signed Blake Bortles because uh, he might come in at halftime actually. And uh, you know, w- w- with all this, but yeah, listen, we're going to feed Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon 50 touches this week. Well, it's funny that you say that. That is actually why I am actually considering an underplay on this thing, right? I mean, if you look at what we assume would be a super run-heavy approach because I think LaFleur is actually fairly sharp. I know he caught a bunch of shit early on in his career, but I mean, if you just look at what he's done, the results kind of speak for themselves, right? I mean, like the, the dude's just continuing to get it done no matter what. And we know you can run and run and run and run on this Kansas city team all day long. And especially with their little two headed monster that they've got now for the, for green Bay. Why don't you utilize Jones and Dylan like back and forth over and over and over again, play a little closer to the best. Don't ask too much of Jordan love in this game. And then on the other side of the ball, look, the only time the chiefs looked good last week was when they were running the ball. Like, like the only time they actually looked good was when they were running the friggin' football because Patrick Mahomes again was, was slinging the ball all over the place, doing some stupid shit. So like, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that maybe there's a, a, an approach here where both of these teams, you know, play a little bit closer to the vest and, and maybe play a little bit more deliberate here in this thing. And so, uh, I kind of like the underlook here of under 48. Uh, there's a 48 and a half available out there still. Yeah. At, at, at MGM. So be sure. And take a look at that as well. 
Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers. The Cardinals are one, one and a half point road favorites right now. And I say right now because there's a very important thing that goes into this whole spread. And that would be the health of one Kyler Murray and whether he is going to play in this game or not. A total of 46, uh, 45, 46 that's available out there right now. Um, Steven, I'll start with you on this one. This is indicating to me that they think that Kyler Murray's not going to play. So it's, I guess we're just going to need to assume that this point, point and a half is with Colt McCoy at quarterback. Cause I would have to think that this thing would be on the, th- like on the three, if not on the other side of the three, if Kyler Murray was definitely going to play in this game. So I think there's some assumption that he's probably not going to be that be out there. I was very happy to take the 49ers on a teaser leg here, plus seven and a half with a total of 45 and a half. You mentioned Kyler Murray. It's not just him. It's DeAndre Hopkins who's dealing with, I believe, a hamstring injury as well. He also did not practice Wednesday. I think this teaser is probably gone if if Kyler doesn't practice again on Thursday, the opportunity to get through the three and, and through the seven, we're going to see the Niners flip here probably to a, a small favorite if there's more uncertainty as the week goes on here. On top of that, A.J. Green is out, although it might be a positive after he forgot he needs to actually catch a ball when the game is on the line last week on Thursday Night Football. But I think that might actually be good because now it means Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore get some increased snaps. So... um it all revolves around Kyler for me. If if he does play, this is a situation where we have debated internally here and within our own network if the Cardinals have some red flags, right? Like I have been the, the banner carrier for the Cardinals for most of the mm-hmm. season. And the argument over the past four games has mostly revolved around them not doing as well in yards per play. They're only 5.6 yards per play over the past three games. But if you dig a little deeper, What's actually going on? They're seventh in EPA and success rate over those past four games. Kyler is sixth and first in drop back EPA and success rate, but they're 13th and 23rd in rush EPA and success rate. And Arizona is bottom five in pass play percentage, bottom three in the past three games. So the big question is why isn't Cliff throwing the ball more? Given this high level of success in the past game and mediocre to below average success in the run game. And the only thing I can come up with is either a Cliff Kingsbury is not a very good coach, which we all a lot of people have that opinion or B Kyler Murray is playing hurt again. We already know he's got a shoulder injury. Now he's got a calf injury. Cliff has said he doesn't have to play, doesn't have to practice to play this week. But those are the only two conclusions I can draw. And neither are are all that confidence building for for this game. So just something, some food for thought there. But when they are healthy, I love this team. They're just not healthy right now. Yeah, uh, this ankle injury for Kyler Murray certainly has me spooked. Uh, as you mentioned, AJ Green gets put on the COVID list. Typically, midweek COVID guys, even if they're vaccinated, they, they don't they don't make it back in time. So he's likely to miss. DeAndre Hopkins deal with that hamstring injury where he had to come off the field several different times this past week. It's not all doom and gloom. It does look like Rodney Hudson, their starting center, will be back after he uh, was activated off of IR. So that's there's at least a little bit of of some help there, Brad. I do. Do think though, if we're looking at red flags on this Cardinals team, 
while the counting stats weren't necessarily there, J.J. Watt was having a really, really good season. He was third in the NFL in quarterback pressures. He is one of their only guys that was a consistent run stopper as well on that defensive line. And with him gone, we saw some of that gaping hole stuff start to open up against this Cardinals team yet again this past week. And now enrolled the San Francisco 49ers. And we know Shanahan has no problem running the ball 60% of the time if that's the way he feels like is the best route to go about winning a game and I do wonder if that glaring kind of weakness with Watt off that line now isn't doesn't get exploited here by this 49ers team uh, yeah I think I think it does get exploited um, so I mean Arizona defense comes in 29th run stop win rate uh, 29th in yards per rush Arizona's offense comes in third in, in rush, rushing DVOA uh, seventh in overall um, I mean, last week they shredded the Bears. They were the best team in the NFL by um, EPA. They're adding nearly nearly half a point per per snap last week. The Niners just absolutely shredding them. Um, and I, I don't really see why they would not continue that here. Um, so th- this line to me, I, I think there's a lot of upside in backing the Niners. So I, I took a little bit of um, plus 105 earlier today um, because it, it opened minus two and a half. Uh, for Arizona and it's it's you know it's not really moved much it's moved a point and a half you know not important points and I think there's there's a non-zero chance here that the Murray doesn't go right they, they will have watched Dak last week they've gone our aim this year is to win a Super Bowl he, he was already nursing a shoulder and now he's got a knee do we want to send him out here against um, against Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead probably probably not I don't think especially when Nuke's probably not going to be 100% he's you know maybe no AJ Green as well as you say to me it feels like there's a good chance they go right. Let's write this off. Let's let's regroup. We're going to be six and two or whatever, seven and two, and let's let's come back in in two weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, I think there's a there's a good matchup in the first place, and a good chance Murray doesn't play or is very very limited here. So I think the Niners are superb tees, and I think good on the money line as well. Yeah, I also am on the Niners in this one. Kind of a clean sweep here with everybody because it's just a it's a bad spot here for, for look. You got Colt McCoy, who's competent, right? I mean, he's guys played a bunch in the NFL, like so. I think they think let's let's let Kyler get healthy. We put out a guy out here who's not just we're not uh, assuming that we're just going to completely lose the game because Colt McCoy is like not the worst quarterback in the entire world. And so I do believe that this is probably a situation where he says, but again, you know, and even if he does play, what position are you putting him in anyway, right? I mean, like limited at best DeAndre Hopkins, if not a guy, if not someone's not going to play AJ green, likely not to play again because he's put on the COVID list. So now you're throwing him out there with, with Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk. Uh, you know, I don't know. It seems like a bad spot all around here. I do like the Niners in this one. Pretty good. Tennessee Titans at the Los Angeles Rams. Rams are seven and a half point home favorites with a total of 54 in this one. And why you might ask, Oh, it is because Derrick Henry is gone for the, at least the rest of the regular season. Does look like there's a chance he could make it back to the playoffs. Should the Titans make the playoffs at this point without Derrick Henry out there? So this line moved a ton, moves to seven and a half on the other side of the touchdown. Brad, if you look, I mean, I know we live in an age of running backs don't matter, but 
there are a few that matter, and Derrick Henry certainly matters, and certainly matters for this Tennessee Titans team for the way that they play offense. I mean, like the offense has been geared around Derrick Henry and and using him now, actually utilizing him to to help out with some different scenarios here from a passing aspect as well. Uh, I I think the Rams are the number one team in the NFL right now. I think they're the most well-rounded team in the NFL. And oh, by the way, they went out and added a guy named Von Miller onto this defense, uh, you know, to go along with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and all of that. And and honestly, it looks like he's going to play this week. He was out of practice on Wednesday. So like, it looks like he's scheduled to play this week for this Rams team. Um, I have called this the ultimate this is the teaser leg of the century of the week right now. Like is what this is like it is. You get this thing down to a point and a half with the Rams at home against this Titans team. I would put that thing in a friggin' teaser with any of the other ones that you feel confident in this week. I mean, this Rams team is going to beat this Titans team. Now, whether they beat them by seven and a half or not, that's my question to you, Brad. What do you think? Um, so let's, we'll start off by saying, yes, I think the Rams are going to shred them. Um, yeah. Right, so Tennessee still missing their two top corners that we spoke about a while ago. The defense has looked okay, but if you dig in a little bit closer, they're um, 31st in success rate allowed, but 12th in EPA. Um, well, I mean, I would expect that to regress towards the success rate rather than the EPA. Um, and, you know, especially with all these weapons the Rams are going to throw. Um, yeah, I think the Rams score theirs. Now, obviously, <laughs> the big question is, what does this Titans offense look like? So if you, I mean, you just take with and without Derek Henry, um, they lose 0.17 EPA per play, which is a huge amount. Now is some of that a bit of sort of part of the data? Like they take Derek Henry off the field on, on third down where they're more likely to be throwing that kind of thing. Possibly so, but uh, you also see that Tannehill, A, he's throwing 30% of passes with play action. He's throwing the 10th most passes against single high safety coverages. So uh, I think you have to say that Derek Henry matters, you know, mm-hmm. A, because he's he's getting more yards than expected. That's He's done that for years. But B, the, the defense st- sets up to stop him, which gives Tannehill more room. So I do think... Now, I do also think that seven and a half is probably a little bit of an, an overreaction um, or maybe the six and a half was wrong in the first place with, with Henry in there. So mm-hmm. I would definitely lean towards the plus seven and a half and I would lean towards this over 54. Um, so, uh, they're going to be forced to throw the Titans. Um, and if Julio and I think they should still be active. Julio Jones did return to practice on Wednesday, though, Stephen, um, you being a, a longtime fantasy football player, you know that that means absolutely nothing because Julio <laughs> can be active. There's active and then there's Julio active, which is like he goes out and runs five routes and then he goes back on the sideline oh, again and then doesn't play the rest of the game. Yeah, like there's 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 Julio has a different injury, a whole injury designation thing for for how that goes. That being said, he was back out of practice on Wednesday. So that is at least looking up a little bit for this Titans team. If he doesn't go though, and if there's indications he's not going to go and they can just put Jalen Ramsey on AJ Brown and then basically say, beat us with Adrian, the corpse of Adrian Peterson and Don Deontay Foreman and stuff like that. Like I think it could get real, real bad, real quick. So if that were to be the case, I would definitely be back in the Rams at seven and a half, but that's something we'll just have to monitor as the rest of the week progresses. Yeah. If, if outside AJ Brown and Julio Jones, the rest of their wide receivers 
core has a bunch of names out of a key and peel skit. So, I mean, this, this Rams teaser leg is the way I went. I paired it with the 49ers early in the week. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't surprise me if this gets to nine because the books want a little more protection on, on the teasers situation with this. I think it's going to be a, like you said, the, the most popular teaser leg this week. So I do think though, this presents a, a fun philosophical debate here. Like what, what is Derek Henry worth to the line for the Titans? Because as we know, most running backs are worth zero to the line. And I think Brad laid out a lot of great points there that he's worth something, right? I mean, he's definitely worth something. And I'm not sure this week against this Rams team is the litmus test that we truly want to see what Derek Henry is actually worth to the line. But if you look at this Titans team over their four game winning streak, how have they done it? They've been 22nd in rush success rate. Ryan Tannehill has been a top seven grade as a PFF passer this year. He's been over that four game span, third and drop back EPA, third and success rate. So they've been beating these good teams on the arm of Ryan Tannehill. And if Devontae freaking Adams for the Green Bay Packers is only worth two points to the spread, then I think in my mind, there's a very small chance that any running back is worth three and a half points to the spread, even if it is the king, Derrick Henry. Now, again, I'm not sure this is the week that I really want to test this against this Rams elite team. So we'll see how it plays out. If we get some overreaction lines in future weeks here against teams that aren't the Los Angeles Rams, I'm probably going to look the back to the Titans. But as Brad also mentioned, the the cornerback issues are just terrifying against this Rams passing passing game. So I think it's less about Derrick Henry and more about that other stuff this week. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that Derrick Henry actually has is opens up the the passing game a little bit better. So while we know that you don't have to run effectively for play action to work, there's a difference between Derrick Henry being out on the field with a play action type situation and just about any other running back in the league. Right. Like we have seen time and time again that safe that safety cheating up and cheating up and having to cheat up because you have to find somebody who could, you have to gang tackle this guy. You literally cannot bring him down with one tackler. And so like you see these guys creeping up and like that allows for Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball more effectively because he is getting these guys either one biting on play action or two, just playing much more close to the line than they would in any other situation. I don't think that's going to be the case with Adrian Peterson out there. I don't think it's going to be the case with whoever they decide if they want to go with Foreman or whoever in the hell is going to run the McNichols or whoever's going to run the ball for the dream Peterson, baby. Yeah. You get to play a, (laughs) you get to play a normal style defense here. Play action is not going to be near as effective because you're not really all that worried as much about the running back, get the ball, getting the ball and things like that as you are with Derrick Henry. You're just super hyper aware with Derrick Henry on the field. And so it's fascinating, um, Matt. It's so fascinating because Derrick Henry has been actually near zero in running back yards over expected per carry this year. He's only been getting what's been blocked for him this year despite his reputation. So as these weeks go on here, it's going to be really, really interesting for me to see if they do start dropping back a little more and playing the passing game, if it actually makes them more effective in the run game, if Tannehill is going to check into runs against lighter boxes with these no-name running backs. So I don't know how this is going to play out. I really don't. But I'm really curious to see how this how this goes. This is like the ultimate do running backs matter litmus test. 
Yeah, it really will. It really will. It's going to be very interesting. And finally, on Monday night, we have the Chicago Bears at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right now, the Steelers are six-point favorites over the Chicago Bears. A total of 40 Four zero here in yeah the year of our Lord 2021 as we head into Monday Night Football. We know what we're getting in this. We are getting an over-the-hill quarterback for the Steelers in Ben Roethlisberger. We are getting a quarterback that probably it's a little too early in his career to be playing in Justin Fields. What do you get with that? You get a 40-point total in a Monday Night Football game. Um, Brad, I'll start with you in this one. I, I'm not incredibly interested in this game. I think it's a Steelers or pass. And I can't believe I'm saying that because I'm so low on the Steelers and I'm so low on Ben Roethlisberger. And I think he's complete garbage. But this Bears offense is like, it is like watching, it is like the the, the enactment of like hands scraping across a chalkboard. Like, and I just have to sit and watch that like over and over and over and over again, trying to watch them move the ball and try to watch them do anything whatsoever. Um, I don't think Matt Nagy and crew have been doing him any, uh, have been doing Justin Fields any sort of favors with what they've been drawing up. Allen Robinson is somehow an afterthought in this offense, which is the craziest thing in the world as well. So I don't know, not a ton of interest for me in this, in this one. No, it's it's not a great game. It's it's the Darnell Mooney show out there at the minute. Yeah. I would say the Bears offense, it looked it looked a little bit better last week with Nagy on the sideline or not on the sideline with COVID. Um a bit more play action, you know, feels running a bit more. But we've still got this matchup. You know, the reason we bet against the Bears the last two weeks is because they're going up against a good defensive line and it's the same again this week. Um but I mean that said, I'm not laying six points with this corpse yeah, of Ben yeah. Roethlisberger. Um I'm going to have to see the health of the Bears defensive line with, with Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack. Um, if if they both go, maybe you could take the six, I think, because, you know, I think it's, it's, it's two bad offenses going up against two good defenses. And do you want to be, do you want to be given away six points in that scenario? I would not, uh, you know, the, the health of those two is key because as I mentioned on the San Francisco game, like the, the Niners shredded this Bears defense last week. Yeah, it's Stephen. If you look at the advanced metrics here, I mean, it's just like what in the world? I mean, the Bears' offense, thirtieth DVOA, thirty-second pass offense. Uh, Pro Football Focus has the thirtieth pass offense, thirty-second adjusted sack rate, thirty-second yards per play, thirty-second yards per pass, thirty-second <laughs> in points per play. I mean, it's just, you know, explosive. They're dead last explosive passes in the league because they can't throw the ball. I, I, uh, I can't, I'm not going to back the Steelers, but man, it is like, there's something in the back of my head going, bro, you should be back in the Steelers in this thing. Like this, this bears team is absolutely atrocious, but I just can't do it. With ben Roethlisberger at quarterback. So I'm probably just going to sit on the sidelines on this one and, and uh, pour me a nice glass of wine and, and be happy that I don't have any action on it. I, I would actually be tempted to take the bears. if We get seven. And this is a game in a 40 where, point game. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, what I mean, I'm saying. Seven in a 40 point game. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not often you have that situation mm-hmm. and you know, can I get seven and can I get Matt Nagy nowhere near the stadium again this week? Like that's, that <laughs> would be fantastic. So um, this is a wait till near kickoff situation for me to see if the public comes in on the favorite in this one, because you've laid out at just how mediocre the Steelers offense has been, even in their three game winning streak, they've been 24th in success rate. Uh, Big Ben has been 27th in drop back success rate. So even on defense during this stretch, 25th in rush EPA. So 
40 point total. If I can get a touchdown, I'll be tempted, but this is a wait till near kickoff situation for me. Guys, uh, tons of great work over on the lines and at play picks to so go in, read all the written articles and, and be sure and take advantage of any of the offers for these sports books. Cause listen, one of the things we talk about is having multiple outs is such a key to being a successful sports better and, and getting the extra half points, getting the different things like that in these totals and lines and whatnot. So just be sure that you have multiple outs and these sports books are giving you free bets. Like, I mean, just they're giving you risk-free bets just take advantage of the stuff so all that's available over there on the lines um as well for brad for steven i'm matt talk to you guys next week bet basketball baseball or hockey with a risk-free bet up to six hundred dollars at bet mgm sign up and use bonus code the lines and you're on your way with the king of sports books get the bet mgm app today and use promo code the lines to make a risk-free bet up to six hundred dollars this is a new customer offer paid in free bets visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions 21 years or older to wager colorado indiana iowa michigan new jersey nevada pennsylvania tennessee virginia or west virginia only excludes michigan disassociated persons please gamble responsibly gambling problem call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 